0: My subject tonight is what the Bible says about the end time. What the Bible says about the end time. You'll find the basis of the message in the portion of Scripture that we've read from earlier in our service. 2 Peter chapter 3. Over a long period of time now, the news has contained a massive amount of material about climate change, about how we need to protect this planet, about zero emissions, carbon footprint, etc., etc. All terms that are part and parcel of the fixation of scientists, political leaders, protesters, who are gathering together in conferences and protest marches and rallies, across the world to try to get legislation in place that will cause the world to be, as they put it, a greener place and will stop this planet disintegrating over the next decades of time. Now, of course, we understand that man has done things to pollute the atmosphere, And we understand too that we have a role to play in putting out less pollution into the air and into our waterways and onto the ground as well. But the truth of the matter is this, that no matter how much legislation is brought to place to reduce carbon footprint, etc., etc., this world, This earth, this planet cannot be preserved. There is nothing that man can do ultimately or future generations that can stop the end of this world. You see, the Bible we have in our hands and that is before us tonight speaks in detail of the ultimate catastrophe. That is facing planet earth. This world my friends. Is moving towards. Its climax. As is set before us. In the precious word of God. irresversibly Inevitably. Inexorably. It is the case. And political leaders and scientists and intellectuals. And those in the media and the so-called great people of this world may scoff and laugh at Scripture. But they cannot and they will not be able to stop it coming to pass. As I often put it, the pieces of the great jigsaw puzzle of biblical prophecy are all fitting into place. And Peter, in his second epistle, spoke of the last days. Chapter 3, verse 3. He spoke clearly of the coming again of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in this context, he gives us details about what will happen to planet Earth. And it is important that tonight, in the closing moments of this service, that we take note of what the Scripture teaches, what the Bible says about the end time. There are three main things that I want to focus upon as we look at this subject tonight. First of all, we want to see the truth of God's Word, the truth of God's Word. You look at the first four verses of the reading tonight in Second Peter chapter 3. It is possible to have a pure and sincere mind and yet to have a bad memory. And Peter in writing this second epistle was seeking to awaken and to arouse his readers. Look at chapter 1 for a moment of 2 Peter verses 12 to 15. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, As long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir up, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. He's seeking to put them in remembrance. He's seeking to have it engraved upon their memories. You see, my friends, it is easy for believers to get accustomed to God's truth. Remember in Scripture that Eutychus went to sleep listening to Paul preach in Acts chapter 20. Our Heavenly Father sacrificed so much that we might have the truth and His Word. And freedom to practice it. And of course on this Reformation Sunday we think of those who laid down their lives to give us the scriptures in our mother tongue. But too often we are complacent and we take it for granted. The church needs to be aroused regularly. Lest the enemy find us asleep. And take advantage of our spiritual lethargy. Because God's word is true, we may pay attention to it and take its message seriously. New converts need to be taught in the word. They need to be established in the doctrines of the faith. For new Christians are the apostate teacher's primary targets. But older Christians too must be reminded of the importance of biblical doctrine, and in particular, the doctrines that relate to the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Prophetic teaching must not lull us to sleep, but rather it must awaken us to live godly lives and to seek the win the lost for the Lord Jesus Christ. What the Word of God teaches about the day of the Lord was not invented by the apostles. If we look at the chapter we read from, verse 2, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles, of the Lord and Savior. And so the prophets taught beforehand as did the Lord Jesus Christ. And Peter emphasized the unity of God's Word, the unity of Scripture. When the scoffers denied the power and coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, they were denying the very truth of the prophetic books, the teaching of the Lord and the Gospels, the writing of the apostles. And like our Lord's seamless garment, the scriptures cannot be cut apart without ruining the whole. We speak tonight about the unity of scripture. The unity of God's word on this very matter of the end time. As far back as the days of Enoch, God warned that judgment was coming. You look at the epistle of Jude, verses 14 and 15 of Judah says this, And Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all, to convince all that are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. And many of the Old Testament prophets announced the day of the Lord. And they warned that the world would be judged. You read through the prophecy of Isaiah. Chapter 2, chapter 13. Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7. Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. The book of Joel, the book of Amos, Zephaniah, Zechariah. Our Lord taught in his word about this day of judgment. In that sermon on the Mount of Olives, Matthew twenty-four, twenty-five, Paul discussed it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, in 2 Thessalonians and the first two chapters. Also we read of it in Revelation chapters 6 to 19 describes this terrible day. You see, my friend, the Scripture describes for us the wrath that will be poured out upon the nations. When Satan will be to the fore, he will vent his anger and his malice. And it will culminate in the return of the Lord Jesus Christ in glory and in victory. And not only does the Word of God predict the coming day of the Lord, but it also predicts the appearance of the very scoffers who deny His Word. Their presence is proof that the Word of God they deny is the true Word of God. We should not be surprised, men and women, at the presence of these mockers. The Bible speaks of them on many, many occasions. A scoffer is someone who treats lightly that word that ought to be taken seriously. And the scoffers are widespread, whether it be in the media, or whether it be in society in general, whether it be in positions of power and prominence in this world. They are all around us. The people in Noah's day scoffed at the idea of judgment. And the cities of Sodom scoffed at the possibility of fire and brimstone destroying the cities of the plain. If you have tried at all to be a witness for Christ and to serve the Lord in this world, you will no doubt have had people scoff at you at the idea of hell or the future day of judgment. It is coming. Why do they scoff? Why do they mock? Because they want to continue living in their sins. Peter made it clear that the false teachers cultivate the lust of uncleanness. 2 Peter 2.10 And allure weak people by means of the lusts of the flesh. Chapter 2, verse 18. And if your lifestyle contradicts the Word of God, you must either change your lifestyle or change the Word of God. And of course, the apostates choose the latter approach. So they scoff at the doctrines of judgment. They scoff at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. What is their argument? the uniformity of this world. Look at verse 4 of our reading tonight. And saying, where is the promise? These scoffers, they're saying this, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. They say, things are as they were always. So there's no reason they argue to believe that anything of a catastrophe will happen in the future. And they take the scientific approach by examining evidence, applying reason, drawing a conclusion. Of course, the facts are that they willfully ignore a good deal of evidence. But that doesn't seem to disturb them. They continue on this particular path. The word of God, my friend, is truth. It is still in the midst of this world, according to uh, chapter 1, verse 19 here, it is still a light that shineth in a dark place. We can trust the word of God. The words of man change. But this is the word of him who cannot lie. The unchanging word of the unchanging God. And no matter what the scoffers may claim, God's day of judgment will come to this world. Jesus Christ will come again. He said, I will come again. He will return to judge the quick and the dead. And so we have the truth of God's word. This is the first thing. I draw your attention tonight. But the second thing is this. The tidings from his word. Tidings concerning the coming again of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 10. But the day of the Lord shall so come as a thief in the night. And our Lord used this phrase in Matthew 24, 43 and Luke 12, 39. The Lord Jesus Christ will return at an unexpected time. So those in the house are shocked by it. They're unprepared for it. They're unready for it. Look for a moment at 1 Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and the verse 2 and following. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh, listen, again as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, verse 3, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. You see, my friend, he will come at an unexpected time. Are you ready? Are you ready for his coming tonight? Dear soul, are you prepared to meet the Lord? It describes also the suddenness and surprise at his coming. He used this image to warn believers not to be caught napping. Since we do not know when the Lord will return, we must live in a constant attitude of watching and waiting. Also, while we are working and witnessing, Of course, how much worse will it be for those who when the Lord comes as a thief in the night who are unready. If you're still in your sin, my friend, still following the course of this world, still living in rebellion against God, still living in rejection of His so great salvation, like those foolish virgins who were unprepared in Matthew 25 when the bridegroom came, The shock of it. It's a thief in the night, the suddenness of it. But also the sleep that many are still in when he comes, overtaken by sloth and slumber. Be alerted tonight. Be awakened tonight. Be aroused tonight. The Bible says in Matthew 24 44, Be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not. The Son of Man cometh. And looking at the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 3 to 5, we see that the unsaved world will still be enjoying a time of false peace and security just before these events occur. Look at what the Word of God says there in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verses 3 to 5. This is what it says. They shall say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them. Ye brethren are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are the children of light, the children of the day. You are not of the night nor of darkness. You'll notice carefully the contrast between the they and the you. If you look those verses closely, look at those verses closely, or the us that used Throughout that section, they referring to the unsaved, they will say peace and safety. But we will say Jesus is coming. Judgment is coming. And this world is caught by surprise because men will not hear God's word. They will not heed God's warning. God warned that the flood was coming, yet only eight people believed and were saved. First Peter three twenty. Lot warned his family that the city would be destroyed, the city of Sodom. But they would not listen. Genesis nineteen twelve to fourteen. In fact, Jesus used the flood and the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah as examples in his discourse at Olivet. Matthew 24, 37 to 39. And people in those days were going about their regular activities. They were eating and drinking. They were getting married, never considering that the judgment was just around the corner. And that's how it is today. That's how it is today, men and women. Is that how it is with you tonight? Listening to this service, listening to God's Word. Well meaning, sincere people have tried to set dates for the Lord's return only to be embarrassed by their failures. However, it is possible to expect His coming without setting a specific time. Christians, as we have read tonight in Thessalonians, are sons of the light we children of the light. We're not in the dark when it comes to future events. Unbelievers, of course, ridicule the idea of Christ's return. They are the scoffers that we mentioned earlier. And over 2,000 years have come and gone since the Lord gave the promise of His return. He's not returned yet. But this does not mean for a single moment that the Lord does not keep his promises. It simply means that God does not follow our calendar. Second Peter 3 verse 8 One day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Paul in his writings, he compared the coming judgment to travail upon a woman with child. And the same picture is used by the prophet Isaiah where he described the coming of the day of the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 13, verses 6 to 13. Again, the Lord in Matthew 24, in that Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24, he spoke of the beginning of sorrows. The word translated sorrows, here actually means birth pain. And so believers, we are to live expectantly. This does not mean that we would put on a white sheet and sit upon the top of a mountain somewhere. That is the very attitude God condemned. But does mean living in the light of his return, looking for the blessed hope. And the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lift up your heads. Look up for your redemption draweth nigh. It's coming. And his return makes us realize that we need to seize every opportunity to serve the Lord Because our opportunities for service will soon end. It means as Christians to live with eternities, values in view. There's a difference between ready to go to heaven and being ready to meet the Lord. Anyone who sincerely Trusted Christ for salvation is ready to go to heaven. Christ's sacrifice on the cross has taken care of that. But to be ready to meet the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ is quite another matter. Scripture indicates that some believers will not be happy to see Christ come back again. The Bible teaches us in 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, And now little children abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence, listen, and not be ashamed. Before him it is coming. And many times through the years as a pastor, it has been my sad experience to see believers deliberately disobeying God's word. Some have said to me, I don't care what you say. I don't care what the Bible says. I'm going to do this or that or the other thing. Remember, friend, we will all give a kind. We will all give a kind before the judgment. Believers who live in the expectation of the Lord's return, will certainly enjoy a better life than Christians who compromise with the world. You see verse 6 here. And what it says in this passage of God's Word that we are to live to the glory of God. Not to be slothful, but staying awake, being alert and being sober. That's what scripture tells us. But the unsaved people in this world are not alert. They're not alert. They're sleeping. They're like those who are drunken living in a false paradise, enjoying a false security. And the sword of God's wrath, my dear friends, hangs over this world. And yet people live godless lives and empty lives, and rarely, if ever, have a thought about eternal matters. Is it so with you tonight? Oh, that you might be shaken from your, slum- from your slumber tonight, alerted to the danger that you're in without Christ. You might be saved you might trust the Savior for his salvation. Will you do that tonight? I impress upon you your need to be saved and to be saved now. But I want to finalize the the message with the third thought, which is the turbulence in this world. Let's go back to 2 Peter chapter 3 and look at verse 10. It says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, and the works that are therein, shall be burned up. Speaking of the end of the age, the end of this world, he says, The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. And the word translated here, great noise, means with a hissing or a crackling sound. And the atomic bomb was tested in the Nevada desert. More than one reporter said that the explosion gave forth a whirring sound or a crackling sound. And the Greek word that Peter used here was commonly used by people for the whirring of birds' wings or the hissing of a snake. The Word of God says the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The word melt means to disintegrate, to beat us all. It carries the idea of something being broken down into its basic elements. You see, the Bible says, heaven and earth shall pass away. This earth is going to be dissolved. It's going to disintegrate. Let us not be surprised That's what's happening to this world. The Word of God has told us it will happen. And it is happening. Of course, it will not touch the heaven of heavens where God dwells, but it will destroy the earth and the atmospheric heavens around it. Look at verse 11 and 12 of the portion, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for the, and hastening unto the day of the Lord, the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved. and The elements shall melt with fervent heat. We're being told that this earth is heating up. There's climate change. And all of this lobby that we hear are shouting and screaming about it. Going out onto our streets with their placards. Making things awkward in society in every way. Because of their opinions. And yet all these world leaders are traveling around the world in their jets. Causing more pollution. They're consulting together what to do about climate change. But the Bible tells us about it all. It's all part of the prophetic picture I suggest to you tonight. The end of this age. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. That's scripture. That's what the Bible says. And man's works will be burned up. And all things that man boasts about in this world, his great cities, his great buildings, his inventions, his achievements will be destroyed in a moment of time. And when sinners stand before the throne of God that have nothing to point to as evidence of their greatness, it will be all gone. What a solemn truth, that is! On a sound truth. It would be wise for all of us tonight to pause and consider. What are you living for, friend, in this world? To consider also this question. Where will I be when God destroys this world? Am I living for only those things that will be burned up They go up in a puff of smoke? Will vanish forever. It would be wise for you tonight to consider the path that you're on, the direction you're going, the destiny you're headed for. What awaits you at the end of your days? It would be wise for you to consider your latter end tonight. To consider where your soul will be in eternity. To seek the Lord now for salvation. For the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. The end is coming. Inevitably. Scriptures are being fulfilled. I know you may have a particular view about prophecy, but friend, I'm not going to get into an argument about that. I'm giving you the plea in Scripture tonight. What it says, Christ is coming. This world is disintegrating. and will be burned up. And God's judgment is coming. Are you ready tonight? Are you seeing it? Do you know Christ? That's the most important thing. And before you leave this meeting tonight, I pray we'd get ready to meet the Lord. Oh, be saved. His grace is free. Oh, be saved. He died for you. Some time ago, a man leaving meeting in Ballygon, in the church. He met me on the steps and he said, Mr. Smiley, I'm not ready to meet God. I'm not ready for eternity. With tears in his eyes, he said, will you come and see me? I said, I'll come and see you tonight. He said, well, not tonight, but call me tomorrow and Come. before I left the house that morning he was texting me to see what time I'd come at and I arranged the time and I came. And you know he said as I've sat and listened to God's word I realized through the years he'd listened humming for probably more than a decade of time. He said I realize I'm not ready. And that day in his living room he got ready. They sought the Lord. Trusted in Christ. What the light that brought to my soul. My friend, would you get ready tonight? Seek the Lord before you leave this place. Or if you're listening before you close your eyes and sleep, close with Christ. What the Bible says about the end time. God bless His word. To our hearts, let us pray. Father, we pray that thou will indelibly write upon every heart the truth of thy word. May there be those souls tonight hearing this message that will come and trust the Savior, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And number 273. I hear thy welcome voice that calls me, Lord, to thee for cleansing in thy precious blood that flowed in Calvary. As we sing the chorus, I am coming, Lord coming now to thee, wash me, cleanse me in the blood that flowed on Calvary. And as we sing those words, I trust you'll make them the prayer of your heart and you will come and you will trust the Savior tonight, even uh, before you leave the service. Uh, We're here to help you as you leave. Uh, I'll be at the door there. Do speak with us. We're happy to open God's word to point you to the Saviour tonight. If you're listening in, do get in contact with us or with the church here, and we know that uh, we'll be able to help you and lead you to the Lord. May God bless you and thank you for listening uh, to God's word tonight. 273 in the hymn book on page 286 or on the screen. We'll stand as